0: If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show, although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing The Audiobook Club to your ears. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, and welcome to Season 2 of The Audiobook Club with John York. The Audiobook Club, partnered with Pro Audio Voices, celebrates audiobooks, the amazing people and teams who make them happen, as well as the various talents behind storytelling. To learn more about Amplify and other opportunities to grow your sales, platform and audience, head over to ProAudioVoices.com and listen out for a short but informational advertisement within this episode. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by actor, voice actor and audiobook narrator Mark Berghagen. Mark, it's such a joy to have you on the show. How are you today? Thank you very
1: much, John, for having me. This is exciting. (laughs) What a great (laughs) channel as well. I'm well, thank you. (laughs)
0: Thank you very much. You've just come back from New York, is that right? I have. I have just come back from New York. Um, My my family are very bored of hearing about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to know more anyway.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was the APAC, uh, the um, uh, Audio Publishers Association uh, conference um, over... uh, over, It happened in New York this year. The last few years it's been in on online you know because of uh you know covid and all that uh stuff um but this was like the first time they got back and uh, yeah there was like 700 people in what was a big room that didn't feel like it once crammed with that amount of people um yeah it was it was an amazing experience but gosh it was like overwhelming and, and and just a little bit too much at times you know uh, in the in a nice way but first time everyone's come together in so long there's a lot of hugging and then unfortunately um a lot of covid after it um oh really yeah which I, I seem I seem to be okay I've been testing negative so yeah yeah uh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say I've, I've post-covid stuff I feel really uneasy in, in massive mm. sort of crowds at the moment. I've, I've never been really good at that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's definitely got worse through COVID's lockdowns. Yeah. Being on your own a lot, being in a booth a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Because it's sort of, doing voiceovers can be, especially if you're working from home, can be so isolating and you, know, you spend a lot of time on your own, especially with audiobooks and stuff, if you're not working with a director and engineer, etc. cetera. Uh, but even then, it's a really small team. So to go from that way of life to, you know, going into lots of people and lots of interaction socially, it can sort of be a little bit of a, be a little bit triggering in certain ways, you know.
1: You're totally right. Yeah, absolutely. I I noticed that especially when I'm doing uh, theatre shows. So as soon as you hit the rehearsal room, especially the first day, everybody's a bit like that. Everybody's like super hyped up because everybody's actually at home sitting, doing most of the time, you know, doing very isolating tasks. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're in the room again. I noticed that people couldn't look into one another's eyes actually during the oh. few weeks back uh back in the room really we had to sort of relearn that really fascinating actually
0: that is interesting yeah cuz i mean this whole thing about, with with covid not to dwell on it too much obviously but i mean like it does sort of change the way that you view those situations because before i mean maybe you were you know you could be a little bit anxious you know as everybody is in in, in big uh, situations like that but now you have the added i could get something from this i could transfer that thing to my loved ones it's like an added pressure, too. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's it's i think it's rewired a lot of nervous systems that's for sure yeah
0: Definitely. Um, I'd love to start um the show, but just simply getting to know a little bit more about your background. Could you tell us, you know, how you found yourself acting, voice acting, and just in this crazy creative world?
1: Yes. Uh, where to start? <laughs> Stop <laughs> me. Um. So I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in in rural central Germany, uh, speaking both languages, mm. and um, I. I don't know, I I wanted to be everything I wanted to be an archaeologist, a historian, a rock star, you know, everything (laughs) that a a kid wants to do. And then I ended up um, studying church music first, sacred music in Germany, which is a big sort of set of studies. You're sort of following the footsteps of Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Um, uh, and it involves obviously organ playing improvisation uh piano playing singing conducting choral conducting Gregorian chant all the rest of it mm-hmm. uh, so that was my first sort of foundation of vocal stuff and i've always been a very sort of um audio orientated person i should probably say i uh, transitioned from female to male uh over a over a quarter of a century ago yeah long long time ago uh but voice and uh, how it's been perceived by others and how, you know, what voice does to us as humans uh, has always been quite prominent uh, for me in my whole journey. Yeah. So yeah, I studied uh, church music to start with, then got a job in a cathedral choir in Truro in Cornwall. uh sang countertenor there for a couple of years, I think. And then uh, went on to York University to study Uh, to do an MA in vocal studies as well early music mostly historic uh, vocal practice Mm. and um, then decided actually I've always done acting on the side and I always found I was a sort of more or less mediocre musician and a pretty good actor somehow so I didn't want to be a my main for my main job to be a bit mediocre, and me having a a wonderful hobby, I wanted to to be the other way around. So uh, it's good to have that added music sort of uh, experience, yeah. but um, acting it had to be. So about twelve years ago, I uh, I retrained and uh, have been working in theater mostly, uh, yeah, film, television a little bit, uh, opera, ballet um, on stage, and And as a voice actor, thankfully, uh, my good friend Yvonne Morley, who's a voice coach, uh, suggested, well, you speak two languages. Why don't you try to make a little bit of money with it? So, yeah, that's that's, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah, I've been working as a voice actor for more or less the same amount of time as I've been working as an actor.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. How did you find like York and, and, and England coming over from Germany? Was it was it a, was it fun? You know, was it a nice change or was it did it take a little bit of time to get to used to? I, d- I don't know. Did it was it is York very different from um, that rural part of Germany? Um,
1: As as always, I, I grew up with rose tinted glasses about the UK when I grew up in Germany because I, I was craving for life and for arts mm. and everything that I couldn't get in my a rural place, basically. I mustn't be unfair, though. We had a wonderful theatre company in in mm. where I grew up, and they really were my my hub, my creative hub. Really yeah, caught me in many ways. Um, but yeah, I came over with rose tinted glasses. Loved everything about the UK, and especially Cornwall. I mean, you come to a very sort of historic. Britain somehow <laughs> yeah. in Cornwall you know everything is a lot slower people are very friendly they've got a lot of time there's a lot of cream teas and cakes and you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about um, so I loved that bit and then coming to York was aha oh okay so that's that's what Britain is actually like in many ways yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think I've, I've sort of flipped I sort of loved Britain and hated it loved Germany and now I think I've I've sort of come to terms with i would love these things to be here in this country and i'd love to be yes uh, able to bring over the best things of this country to <laughs> germany i think there should be some fusion going on
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, on on previous episodes um we've been talking about how it's so important for an actor performer you know an artist to build up many different experiences throughout their life to draw upon for their creative work has training as a, a classical musician and all those experiences that you've had, has that does that help you as an actor, drawing on those things from a previous life, shall we say? You know, previous pursuits.
1: Totally, totally, totally. I I would never even say uh, anything that I've ever done was a the wrong choice or anything like that. Mm. Everything that that has happened so far in my life has mm. been all good challenging in many many ways but but all part of me and i can't and i don't want to um say that you know push this away and that away this is not yeah. me uh, it's certainly informed everything that i do especially the uh i love doing um verse speaking as as a as an actor i love 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 shakespeare um, yeah. and that's got so much to do with timing with speaking with a sort of rhythmicality as well without making it sounds as though it's it's a sort of fake thing and it's just an art form to connect that to myself and to my own ex- life experiences basically yeah. while elevating it to a sort of artistic level is something that i really really enjoy
0: yeah well I, ha- I have more questions about that um if that's okay about shakespeare because i know that you're incredibly passionate about shakespeare and specifically taking historic characters back to their original homes um could you tell us a little bit about the Sacred King, um, a project that um, I believe showcases, um, you know, is a great example of, of, of this passion?
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's that's great. It, this was a project that I that came uh, on the back of doing the show Richard II, Shakespeare's mm. Richard II. So yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah. took uh, Shakespeare's Richard II to Pontefract Castle for the first time in history because the final soliloquy, the final scene. Um, is set, historically set, and also in Shakespeare, Shakespeare at Pontefract Castle. Yeah. So he uh, has his last thoughts, his last um, musings at uh, in the dungeon at Pontefract. And the dungeon still exists, even though he was probably kept somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. But we shot it a few years later uh, at Pontefract Castle, just that soliloquy. And it was such a privilege to, to just be there. I just, yeah. you know, you're an actor as well, so... Uh, you know what it's like when you sit in a black box theater and you have to make everything up yourself in your mind for the minds of your audiences. Yeah. With this with this project, everything was flipped on its head. The surroundings were making the performance, the yeah. acoustics, you know, we had, um, water dripping down into pools of water and all that is, is part of uh, what that became basically. It's, uh, yeah. And I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to make something happen. Basically, it it just all yeah. happened. There was a lot of sort of reverence in that cave yeah. somehow, in that dungeon, and uh, everyone really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And as as you were saying there, the, being in those surroundings must have just been incredible to 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 perform as in the place where it was meant to be. Like you know, it must have just felt so right.
1: It, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I get a lot of. I know it's it's probably a very geeky thing, but I get a lot of buzz out of going into historic places, like walking through Booth and Bar here, for example, in York, yeah. and knowing that this gate has been there for 2,000 years and people have been walking exactly through this, yeah. these few metres of cobbled stones. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just I, I get something out of this.
0: Oh, I know what you mean. I know. I, know, I, I get exactly what you mean. It, it makes you feel a part of something, <laughs> part of something bigger. Exactly, because
1: yeah. I quite often, because we're so isolated as well, I just don't feel yeah. like I'm part of society sometimes. Yeah. But, but history and connecting with these monuments somehow makes me feel connected to humanity, even more so than something modern somehow. <laughs> a part
0: <of> <laughs> a club. I know exactly what you mean. Um, A little bit of a vague question, so I do apologise in advance. But what is it about Shakespeare that draws you in as a performer?
1: Whoa, this is a question that I could probably answer for ages and probably still not get <laughs> to the point. I, I love the fact that Shakespeare is actually for everyone. I know this this has been said so many times and it's probably a little bit stale, but um, it's about humanity and it's become a massive trend to put political beliefs and political agendas onto plays and onto productions. And I have to say, I'm not a big fan of this. I don't think mm. Shakespeare needs that because Shakespeare is absolutely for everyone. Just, just as an example, there is a line mm. in Richard II um, where he says, like seely beggars who sitting in the stocks refuge their shame that many have and others must sit here. And in this sort, thought, thought, they find a kind of ease bearing their own mistakes on the backs of such as have before endured the like. I had to get behind that first, of course, as well. You know, I need to study this first, but it basically means, isn't it wonderful when I'm feeling really bad to think about other people who've already felt bad for me, basically. So I feel much better if I think about all the other people in the world who feel bad at the moment. Uh, It makes me feel better. I don't know why, but that's just how it happens. This is something that Shakespeare has realized 400 years ago and probably many before him. And there are the plays are just full of these nuggets where once you get a little bit behind the old language and everything, once Mm. you study it a little bit, feels so familiar. And so and and it goes beyond beyond gender, beyond um, um, status, beyond everything, whether you've got money or not. uh, This is just humanity. And I think that, yeah, that is what draws me uh, to to Shakespeare. It's quite often the final soliloquies of the characters actually mm. that have this wrap up where uh you just find so many gold nuggets
0: yeah absolutely and i i, I love that I, I love the way that you 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 explain that a lot of our listeners um are actually from across the pond over in the states and canada now of course here in in, in the uk and, and, and europe and such uh, shakespeare is you know especially if you're an actor you will look you will come in contact with shakespeare you will definitely do something um from shakespeare's body of work but in the us it's not actually that common and you'll often find actors seeking it out on their own um your terms if if they're going to be um sort of would you would you suggest that more folks from across you know say in the states for example if they're wanting to you know um be an actor and go down that creative journey do you think that shakespeare is definitely worth that studying time definitely worth getting your teeth into at least something from shakespeare
1: I think everyone in the world, actor or not, should mm. study Shakespeare, even if it's just a soliloquy or a or a monologue or something like that. Mm. I think it benefits it's like a piece of art, isn't it? It's yeah, a lot of people know the Christmas oratorio. You know, it you know, you, you can't you should be listening to this. You know, yeah. <laughs> there, there are some nuggets of human history that are just that you just have to tap yeah. into to feel, I don't know, part of. Yeah. humanity somehow and yeah. Shakespeare is definitely on the menu yes of course for actors absolutely but yeah. for everyone really uh, all over the world from Japan China just just you know we, we have to exchange these wonderful um nuggets that we've got um that our societies have brought forth basically I saw this amazing 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 uh opera uh Monteverdi's Orfeo fused 50 50 with indian classical music
0: wow yeah i was
1: so blown away by this opera north was doing that and uh, it's probably the best performance i've ever seen on stage it, it wow. was if an alien had asked me mark so what's your art like i would have pointed to that
2: yeah <laughs> it was something to be
0: proud of to be proud of that sounds really up my street
1: good good good
0: yeah. <laughs> if walls could talk the Forgotten Story of Anne Fairfax. Um, the uh, script monologues written by uh, none, other, uh, none other than um, our mutual friend Paul Birch, fantastic playwright and and uh, writer, etc. Could you tell us a little bit about this this project, how it came about, your experience with it, and what and what folks can can enjoy when they when they uh, take part and go and see this?
1: Yes, Paul. Paul is fantastic. He's a, such a wonderful writer. Uh, I think it was through Paul and through our mutual friend, Tom Freer, <laughs> that's um, Fairfax House in York, which is a um, a lovely um, 18th century um, historic house mm. uh, just behind Clifford's Tower. And unfortunately, Clifford's Tower always takes the credit for everything. And people then don't discover Fairfax House. Go and see it uh, yeah. if you're ever in York. It's really very charming. Um, so they were commissioning a... Um, set of videos about the story of the um of ann Ann fairfax who owned the house um and of her um and of her life basically so they needed three characters one was her confessor father bolton and i was to voice him originally and um Anne and somebody else. I think Nathaniel Piggott. What a wonderful name. A baddie, basically, in the story.
0: That's a nice name.
1: I know. <laughs> Piggott. <laughs> you can really spit that out as well. <laughs> <one>. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and uh, so they filmed two of the characters, Anne and uh, Piggott, and uh, yeah. had Father Bolton as a voiceover, which I was doing. But they decided this year to um, to uh, to to film me as well. So there will be... Mm. I think from May onwards, there will be an exhibition uh, with the characters speaking to you or speaking to the audiences yeah. um, about their stories. And it's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely concept. They're great scripts as well. And they're very um, relatable, the characters. Yeah. Guiding you through the house and the house is set up a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been to the Dennis Sever's house in London.
0: Oh, no, I haven't.
1: Oh, please go again. Another one. <laughs> Are you <based> in London? <laughs> I'm based in York
0: just oh, outside you're based york. in york i am yeah john york yeah. is based in york i know creative isn't it <laughs> yeah my middle this i started narrating um under john york and then i i just like to imagine that my middle name is of so it's john of york
1: <laughs> <laughs> lovely lo- yeah absolutely <laughs> john duke of york
0: <laughs> um but yes uh, the dates for uh, when folks can check that out um is uh, 29th of april to the 5th of November, twenty twenty three. So uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm. I, it's on my list. It sounds fantastic. Let's go together. Um, if you're mm, New York, let's just do it. You can, <laughs> get get the behind the scenes. Get the behind the scenes pass. That's I can't right. pass up on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> or even the free pass. You never know. <laughs> oh, there it's now. It's who you know. <laughs> you were nominated last year for the uh, One Voice Award, the Once Voice Awards, um, for an audio drama project. Um, and I'd love to. Uh, may I ask you to to expand on on what that experience was like, what the project was, and just your overall thoughts on that?
1: Thank you. That that was a really well a surprise for mm. one for once to uh, uh, to be nom- nominated by the One Voice Awards uh, it was fantastic. Mm. When the casting came about, I uh, they were looking. So it was English heritage. Mm. um revamping refurbishing uh clifford's tower which is only mm. a few yards away from uh fairfax house yeah but clifford's tower and york Minster are the big sort of well as you know the big sort of uh, landmarks somehow and or town marks city marks yeah in New york but clifford's tower was always a little bit disappointing somehow they charge a lot of money then you <laughs> got yourself hoisted yourself up those steps uh those very very steep steps um to only fa- find this hollow tower yeah. <laughs> at the top. And you've paid something like, I don't know, 12, 15 pounds for it, uh, only to see that and a little visitor center. So they, yeah. I think it's been on their agenda for a long, long time. And finally, they got the funding and they got the time. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, Clifford's Tower was being revamped and made into mm-hmm. this, which I think very, very well done uh, exhibition or museum, almost a monument, and they were looking for five voices to tell the story of the tower. Hmm. And um, and I was cast as one of the voices. And one of the probably uh, m- most prominent stories of the tower is the Jewish massacre uh, in hmm. the Middle Ages uh, of about 100 uh, Jewish uh, uh, families. And they... Um, committed suicide in the, in the tower because they didn't want to convert to Christianity. And mm. uh, my character was telling the story how his parents and sisters and brothers have died mm. during that tragedy. So basically it was a, he was supposed to be a historic fiction character, mm. but it was just so intense and so move. I I found the story so mm. moving that um it, it just felt very close and very, um, yeah. Uh, just a, just a lovely um script and a lovely um and a lovely cause as well and i as yourself um we work all around the world somehow as voice actors it was so nice to give something back to the city as well yeah um to, to actually work here for a change and yeah. um and so i auditioned did the recall audition and got the job and we recorded it wonderful team again and uh, last year was the opening mm. in march i think and um the voices are embedded in benches in sort of concrete benches so you sort of sit down on that bench and you've got a speaker behind you behind your head and you can go around the niches the four four or five niches i don't know maybe it was four characters in the end i don't know four or five and uh you walk around and they're all from different uh parts of york uh, of clifford's towers uh history Mm. so mine was more the sort of middle ages they're quite long scripts actually I don't know if people actually sit that long there's <laughs> something as depressing as my story <laughs> but yeah I was lucky to uh, to yeah. be nominated for that so
0: that's fantastic
1: you you get that yourself I'm pretty sure you get a script and you click with it straight away yeah. or you don't and then you just have to work sometimes really hard to yeah. make it work for you um, and sometimes you just have to shrug your shoulders, send it off and think hey yeah <laughs> leave it up to whatever <laughs>
0: <laughs> when uh, dealing with material um that can be very sort of hard to read and hard to i imagine even harder to perform and, and things like that how are you are you at separating yourself from the material that you're working on because sometimes i find that if, if i'm narrating i predominantly narrate audiobooks and um there's sometimes, you know, some books that I've narrated that just stay with me and, you know, often the tremendously sad ones, unfortunately, just stay. And I, I find myself just thinking over it, you know, it could be months down the line and something I'll remember that story will come into my head. How how are you with separating, you know, your your uh, your life and, you know, your proper life as you go and about to to your actor life, as it were, dealing in in that character with that difficult, challenging material?
1: That's a really, really good question, John. And uh, if you've got any tips on that, uh, I'd definitely gobble them up because I'm yeah. not very good at that, if, mm. if I'm honest. I do get very deep into my characters um, and I often stay there and that's probably yeah. not a good thing. I, I do discover a lot about myself through uh, working on characters. And mm. often, like you said, it's it's the sad, it's the difficult stuff that stays. It must be a human nature sort of thing. Mm. Um, But and most Even the most brilliant drama schools tell you everything about how to get into character, not how to get out of character. Mm, (laughs) It's just a recent sort of thing that people realise. Oh, actually, you know, it might not be very good for people to stay (laughs) in that, just to to keep going on as Hamlet all the time. Yeah, (laughs) what a pleasant (laughs)
0: life.
1: (laughs) So um, I don't know. I've uh, just over the last few months, I think I've I've sort of put in. I've sort of identified triggers for me, and I've deliberately try to step out of my the the professional life because I'm sure that's the same or or very similar for all performers um, Mm. get gobbled up by this very, very easily. Yeah, It's our life. um, And I'm just slowly, slowly learning to put a little bit of a barrier, a bit of a distance between me and that to, you know, to Mm. to allow myself a holiday and and stuff like that and not to, I I tend to spend a third of my income on my job. Maybe I shouldn't
0: say this, but it's true. I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Speaking about that, because there is lots of things, especially if you go into voiceover and, and, and things, there's so much investment that you need. You know, maybe you want to get coaching and you want to, you know, there's so much that you need to spend that business side of this life. Because you have the creative side, uh, not saying that business can't be creative, but just for the sake of this question, you have the creative side, you, you, you know, you have the performance side, you have the skills, you have the acting skills and performance skills. But then, of course, you also need the business side of it. You need to promote yourself as a performer. You need to, you know, put yourself in with for opportunities and, and, and in a place where you can receive opportunities and that kind of thing. All that marketing and networking and whatever like that business side of it was. Did that come easy for you? Was that like, is that a learning of, you know, work in progress, that side of things? How are you with the with the business side of, of this life?
1: Absolutely horrifically bad. <laughs> I've learned. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, actually, not least through platforms like Gravy for the Brain. I'm, I'm mm. sure you're familiar with them. Yeah, um their their knowledge and their business knowledge has has been a, an immense help uh, for me. To and I've just recently. Just, just re- I've started sort of reading because I've always struggled with with finances and stuff like that because I've mm. been spending so much on. It's a really tricky um thing, and I used to spend way, way too much. If an agent, an acting a- acting agent, tells you, and you know that being in York as well, it's easy to get to get down to london it's in under two hours but it'll cost you about a hundred and something pounds 150 pounds to go to an in-person casting and since covid it's been better you know the first round is usually a self-tape the second round Mm. however is an in-person and some uh, casting directors will say hey we're only doing in-person castings isn't that wonderful to have people in the room again and my bank account is already going (laughs) you know it's it's a really tricky thing so i have just found actually and that was i wish somebody has taught had taught me that at drama school music college and all the rest of it people always say put back xyz amount per month and I've tried that, and it didn't work because I don't get paid per month. I get mm. paid per project. So now I'm paying myself an agent fee of twenty percent, and that goes in the bank. Okay. And that's so much easier, and that really, really, really helps. It's such an i opener, this this yeah. really, really little nugget of I I've learned that somewhere through a sort of money uh, podcast yeah. or something like that.
0: Oh, that's that's a great... You don't mind if I steal that, do you?
1: No, of course not. (laughs) Please spread it. Spread it (laughs) to all freelancers who've been struggling with
0: this same thing. Yeah because it is difficult as you say with the with the you know you work a normal job you get paid at the end of the month or whatever however it works like that for us you can go months without getting paid for a project you know i've gone 3 4 months without getting you know i did a job at the start of the year i only got paid last week for it it, it it's you're waiting for you can wait for ages and going through different sets of people and stuff and obviously you can't say that to your rent or your mortgage or your, you know your bills um that leads me on to a, a kind of a similar topic really which is is uncertainty because we we i mean obviously life is filled with uncertainty for everybody um but i think spe- uh, specifically for this type of life this lifestyle that we lead uncertainty can be incredibly daunting and i know from personal experience with close friends of mine it is the reason it's a massive reason if not the main reason why people say do you know what this isn't worth it i'm just going to go get a normal job and i'm going to be a community you know going community theater get my kicks that way and that's it because at least i'll know when things are coming in um which is you know you, t- you can't argue with that but i mean how are you with uncertainty is that something that you, you know you've learned to deal with is it still a struggle that idea of not Really, no you know, not knowing that you know, six months down the line, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's a um, it's a love hate relationship, me and uncertainty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's uh, I I actually love the fact that I'm waking up on a Monday morning and I have no idea where this week is going to take me, unless yeah. I've got a long job that I'm working on an audiobook or something like that. But yeah, um, so this is great in a way. I could be working in Tokyo. On Saturday, or you know, as an actor for a commercial or something like that, which is kind of great. Um, At the same time, of course, especially the the financial instability that Mm. you just never quite know when the next project and is it going to be well paid? Mm. Then there's always the same question, isn't it? Am I going to do it for that amount of money when I'm actually normally charging? uh, Yeah, this sort of stuff. And you have to constantly be on the ball and that's draining i think yeah this is very very draining so again i'm i started over the last few weeks to um to actually um book a holiday like just a normal sort of holiday something that's predictable that i know is going to be in six weeks time um so just to balance things out a little bit to make life a little bit less uh, unpredictable in many ways yeah make plans without overworking myself and going down the sort of burnout route, because I think that's what was sort of about to happen for me, that I was struggling with um, Mm. job acquisition, both in terms of acting and uh, voiceover. Agents are great, but they only get you so much of the actual work. If I only Mm -hmm. relied on agents, even multiple agents, I probably wouldn't be able to make a living Mm. anyway. Mm. But yeah, it's a sort of a love hate sort of thing. I don't know what it's yeah. like for you.
0: Yeah, very much the same because you have that, you have that freedom aspect of like, well, like, yeah, I mean, I could be doing anything. At the, you know, in a few weeks' time, well, I could have, as I say, mostly I do audiobooks and stuff. So it's like, I could be reading about anything. I could work be working with anybody. I don't know, but then it's like, but what if it's nobody? <laughs> like, <laughs> <that's>, I know <laughs> that's the that's the worry. But I think you mentioned there about burnout, and I think it's it's so important because. I mean, people, say you know, have jokes like my friends and stuff who who have, you know, quote unquote real careers, you know, working banks and things like that. And they all say, oh, you're never at work. You not you know, you're never actually doing and you're never doing like a hard day's graft, which isn't true. But I get what they're referring to, but it absolutely isn't true. But also it's like that idea of, well, because you were always looking for the next thing, you've always got that. What am I going to be doing next? What am I going to be doing next in your brain? You kind of never not at work because it's always there. Like you don't clock off at 5 p.m., you know, it's just that it, your brain is always wired to, to to that kind of... And I guess we had... um I was having a conversation with Elise Arsenault about, you know, scarcity mindset versus, like, an abundance mindset. And I think that maybe I'm totally wrong, but I think the guys in the States, I think, are a little bit better than us over this side at that abundance mentality. I think a lot of us, or certainly people i've come into contact with we kind of always have that maybe it comes from a bit of a pessimistic outlook of of our own <laughs> mortality of win you know um so yeah i, I yeah but what do, what do you all do you have any sort of thoughts on that kind of scarcity mindset versus abundance of i'll I'll have enough i'm not going to worry about it To I, I need to keep on churning out these auditions I'm, and stuff I, i'm
1: certainly in that hamster wheel i think um hmm the the, the um, Germans and and British people are pretty similar, and that's a yeah. pessimistic output uh, um, outlook. It yeah, there's there never seems yeah. to be enough, but actually, this twenty percent rule that I'm now having mm. is uh, is putting me a lot more at ease. Mm. So if I know that there is a sort of financial bolster, because I think the angst is only coming from a financial sort of insecurity. Yeah, uh, it, it's fine to not be working for a week or something like that or a couple of weeks or even a month um, when I know that I can pay my rent I can pay my studio I can you know I'm, I'm okay and I can mm. afford to do something different I'm actually going to try this August um, to just spend a month in my garden in my allotment
0: oh nice <laughs> just
1: see what happens yeah um, and actually during this lent I had the idea of not auditioning for anything Oh, that's a good one. I know. (laughs) You're giving up auditions. Talking
0: about angst.
1: Could you do it, John? Could you do it?
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't. I gave up chocolate for Lent. Um, So (laughs) I think uh, auditions, fantastic.
1: (laughs) And you know what? I've never been working so much in my life. Wow. It's this typical, yeah. maybe that's the American sort of mindset, isn't it?
0: Well, that's what, that was the idea. And I don't, I don't know some people have like a kind of a cosmic idea, you know, it's the world is right for me, um, which works for them and whatever works for you, works for you. That's fantastic. Um, I th- Yeah, I don't know. I think I always have that little bit of a, a fear. It's also, we mentioned rates earlier about, should I, should I take this job on when it's a little bit less than what I usually do? And that's another part of it as well, because, you know it's it's difficult to have the kind of confidence to say no I'm worth this much when you may not have something else to replace it I mean it's fine if you're getting offered loads of stuff and you can pick the ones that you want to do but if you don't it's I I always find that's a little bit well yeah but I know but what if I never work again and I need
1: (laughs) which is never true that's a funny thing isn't it no matter how many times you might think that the next thing does come along And, and if you look at your uh I always like making a sort of little review of a year or so in, in mm-hmm. December. Um and yeah, I, I have been working all the time. It's been it's been coming. And even if I yeah. haven't auditioned for anything. And yeah, yeah it's a it's a total I just need to get a little bit better at this, I think. Just less yeah. hamstery, um yeah. hamster wheelie and uh more trusting <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or a little karma as well. <laughs> <laughs> as a result
0: <laughs> you mentioned um spending some time in your allotment um just gardening getting out in the earth does that does that help with all of this you know connecting to that doing something that's totally for you totally just for pure the delight of doing it
1: yes i mean i suppose acting is the pure delight of doing it as well it mm. i love my job totally but all of us start As an actor, because it was a hobby, which we really enjoyed. And so Mm. we lose our hobby. And that's a really bad thing, actually. So um, Mm. it becomes a job and you need another hobby, therefore. So um, I just, yeah, yeah, put myself on the uh, York allotments list, waiting list. Yeah. um, And got an allotment. And it's, you know, our job is very uprooting. This is a very rooting job. Yeah. Uh, Working in the soil and stuff like that. It also gives me a wonderful opportunity to pursue my DIY ambitions, <laughs> 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 to have a space for that as well. No, it's wonderful. I mean, just sitting outside with a cup of tea also, or a beer or, you know, having yeah. a barbecue or something like that is priceless. It's wonderful.
0: Absolutely. So what are the things So, we mentioned um, getting out in the earth when not acting on stage screen or in the booth? What can we what else can we find you up to?
1: Uh, like i said i love doing diy mm. so i've just done an adult learning class for carpentry and nice. uh, built a table and stuff like that um, that yeah. was really really fun i love hiking um um uh, just getting out in nature really that's that's yeah. one of my my biggest things um it's I don't actually like watching TV or stuff like that. I think that's been sort of yeah. killed off by working in the industry. <laughs> I always I have actually tried to persuade myself that I need to watch more TV, just yeah. to know what's going on, at least. I really have to have to force myself to sit down and watch a Netflix and yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just too critical and I'm I'm just too I don't know. I just yeah. see behind the the scenery too quickly. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, if I if i'm totally drawn into a story then i know it's very
0: well done. <laughs> mm. <laughs> i yeah i mean that's that's another conversation as well about how like working in you know it's a, a particular medium and then if you consume that medium for pleasure it's very difficult to switch off that part of your brain isn't it that doesn't i mean for me it's always it's it's either you know, like you know for audiobooks I can hear every mistake, I can hear every pickup that's been inserted afterwards and it drags me there's nothing wrong with that. I get it happens, but it still drags me out of of, of uh, or somebody not having yeah.
1: researched the pronunciation of a of a yeah. place or a Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like you can kind of understand. I often think that people are a little bit harsh sometimes on reviews more than they need to be, but I can totally understand if, if you know, because if, you, if you're if you from a place and you're listening to a, another person and they say it wrong, you go, ooh, yes. it just snaps it out, you know.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. And it's crazy, isn't it? That uh, quite often voices put you off as well. I love listening yeah. to audiobooks. I'm not actually yeah. very good at sitting down with a book. I read every line like five times. I can't get into it. Yeah. An audiobook, however, just skims over the stuff that I probably can't. Get my brain around yeah but yeah it, listening to to a voice that instantly puts me off somehow and that's not the the narrator's fault at all they can't mm. help it but uh it's funny how is how we have preferences as well and yeah or way people the way the people pronounce things or, or about yeah. the different characters,
0: or <laughs> yeah,
1: isn't
0: it? It is, it is, and I, I want to that leads me on to um to, to two separate questions. So I'll, I'll ask one first about talking about character, about approaching character, and then we'll just go back to audiobooks real quick if that's okay. Um, so, um, you're, you, you've uh, voiced iconic characters, Sherlock Holmes, Frankenstein, uh, uh, Bilbo. Um, when approaching, when approaching a character that is as much loved as those mentioned. Like, what's your process for finding a voice for them? Like, do you have previous adaptations in the brain, or are you making them, you know, fully your own? Like, what's what's your way of how do you approach a character such as such as those mentioned?
1: I sometimes don't know the films, for example, very well. Mm. Uh, so, for example, I've never seen the Hobbit films. Mm. So, um, so I suppose the jury's out. So, I I, I can do whatever I want with. Bilbo, for example, I don't need mm. to give him. I quite like not giving people a sort of wildly over-the-top um, character voice somehow. It's more yes. the sentiment that's in the... Mm. Um... For example, I I did remember the Frankenstein, the, the Boris Karloff uh, movie, uh, which I watched in German, actually. But um, there was none of the stuff that I encountered in the books. Um, this wonderful monologue, actually, that the monster has I don't know if you remember uh, the book because I'd never read it before I did the audiobook. Um and it's beautiful. So his sort yeah. of slightly gruff voice sort of got a little bit more humane in a way and he was able to relay, you know, information yeah. that that I I don't know. I I don't like over the top some, somehow for my audiobooks or for my characters unless it's a wildly sort of Victorian old lady or something like that. But um <laughs> I, I just love realism and in a way it doesn't then matter so much what the voice sounds like I I just want the truth behind that and and I think the 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 monster from Frankenstein is, is quite a good example of that that you know you start off with a sort of character voice somehow but then all of a sudden you get surprised gosh that book is a lot deeper than I thought it actually ever was mm. um and then I can afford myself a bit more Mark in this yeah um, uh to bring out the truth. I don't know. What about you? How do you tackle?
0: I don't know. I, I, I think I kind of try and get a feel of what they're after for the project first. Um, I think, yeah, and it, it sort of depends. I try and, I mean, I do mostly, um, most of the stuff that I do is kind of like YA adventure. Um, like I just did a, a Never Never by Serena Vantino for Disney, which is their, um, uh, their origin for Captain Hook um now obviously you think like Peter Pan, Captain Hook. that's all out there but for this this was a much darker story and he was much more real you know and then uh, this book is just about him as a younger man and so that was a lot more sort of downplayed that was a lot more emotion filled really um and stuff so yeah that was that was probably the the biggest um experience I had with Um, tackling a character that had previous adaptations. Um, So I kind of tried to make him my own in the style that they were wanting, that Disney were wanting. But then you had like Mr. Smee um you know who has like a very specific voice and then they said just go for it just do your own interpretation of him but sort of you know just sort of take that idea try and do like an impersonation but then make it you and then meet in the you know um so I did that and that was um it was fulfilling and then scary because that was the only still only the um experience I've had where listeners really really cared for that piece of content before they heard your version of it <laughs> <Yes>. um <laughs> and that terrified me because they will let you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that is true yes they will yeah. <laughs> and it, there's nothing you can do about it i suppose it's yeah. um, i because i'm i'm a massive massive fan of the lord of the rings books that mm. i grew up with this stuff and it helped me through you know teenagehood <laughs> and everything else it was very very important to me and still is yeah. in a way and I just couldn't bring myself watching the films because mm. they were visual stuff. Is so powerful; they, it just overlays all the stuff that you, with your life experience as the person you are, have created in your own mind. I know yes. where people are sitting when they're talking. You know, Fred sits on the left. Um, Sam sits across the book. You know, yeah. and we all have this miniature landscape. I think when we when we read a book, um, and it's not so much with audiobooks. I think it's the visuals that really kill things. For yeah. Them. Individuals. And I'm not saying that the films are bad or anything like that. I'm sure there's a lot of hard blood that went into them, mm. but I just can't bring myself to um mm. to 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 kill off my own imagination. I think audiobooks books yeah. are slightly different because um, you can still have
0: these images in your head. I know exactly what you mean, and I think sometimes is is you right. You don't want to. This kind of feel more personal to you. And it's it's like I'd rather I'm happy to just you you do you you enjoy the films and that's amazing. I'm happy. I'm going to sit with my story and ha- be happy with it being being how I see it. Um, but you
1: wouldn't believe as a, as a modern yeah. person how difficult it is to escape those visuals. You know the mm. posters. I, I remember those posters were everywhere. It was all mm. all on the media. Anywhere you went, everywhere you went, and still to this day, that's the case. You can't yeah. escape it. It's really mm. brutal, actually, in in many ways. Yeah. Um, how much marketing can actually destroy uh, hmm. people's sort of own stories and own yeah. imaginations? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. That's
0: No, no. Dark... A... No, no, no. I, I, I totally get, uh, get what you're saying. And it's, it's kind of like, it kind of go. This goes back to what we were saying about the business side of of, of this uh, of this work. Is you do have to put yourself out there, and you do have to promote. You know, people are saying, "Oh, yeah, are you on TikTok? Are you on Instagram? Are you posting about your projects and stuff?" Like, how are you with that? Because I mean, that to me, and this is just my personal experience, I find that I hate doing it. I, I just can't stand it. And it's nice chatting with friends and I like posting pictures of me if I go out to a, you know, if I go out for a nice walk with my partner and we take a picture and stuff. That's nice. I don't mind doing that. It's just with the, when when it's like you've, you're promoting projects and project after project after project and it just kind of sucks the kind of joy out of it
1: totally there with you yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely it just becomes this sort of exercise isn't it yeah okay what hashtags am i going to use um, yeah <laughs> oh and and by the time i've labored over this tweet or whatever it is yeah i sort of feel you know this event has already been and gone yeah Should i post it in the first place nobody's interested in that so i've wasted sort of half an hour of my life (laughs) and then decide uh, discard nobody's interested.
0: it's difficult but i I totally get you know because we're all fighting for fighting for somebody's attention and there's a million other things that are going to take that attention away and I, i mean that's just the the nature of this world you know you want someone to consume something then you have to take their attention away from somebody else and you have to you have to persuade them to do it and yeah, I just, I just think it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> totally, I
1: know. Where's this world gone? I mean, um, this is one of the things that I'm planning to do eventually to get somebody to look after my social media mm. to to create content and all the rest of it. I know it's necessary. It's a necessary evil at the moment, but mm. I, I just find it very, very draining. It's just stupidly mm. draining, actually. I, I don't know why, but it's um, mm. it's really it's never been my sort of thing. Mm. <laughs> Really yeah, have to force myself it's a real flogging
0: <laughs> <laughs> What do you um when you first started narrating audiobooks what was the um was it like an area that you found most challenging perhaps that you didn't imagine would be you know that challenging or a challenge um when you first started
1: oh god yes absolutely mouth clicks <laughs> mouth clicks and and noises and and you know it's fairly well insulated here but it's yeah uh, the the RAF flying over York, uh, somebody mowing the lawn during the summer and having to stop every time. And then you have to stop and start and stop and start and stop and start and then edit it out. And, you know, all yes. this stuff that goes into uh, recording audiobooks that I never thought. Mm. I thought somebody sits there with a book in front of a microphone and just reads it and then cashes in a lot of money for it this is absolutely <laughs> not the case not only is audiobook the worst paid in the industry yeah. in audio yeah. industry but also gosh it's it's hours and hours and hours of work mm-hmm. and these mouth clicks can really really do my head it's incredible yeah. even though i've got the rx uh, 10 now which takes out a lot mm. um but yeah it's a and I, I I hear them all the time when I hear interviews of people, yeah. with mouth clicks. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible.
0: <laughs> it's just yeah. It's just one of those things that once you, it's just once you notice it, it's so hard to switch to switch off. Like I've been I've been in places where I've been to, um, I, you know, seeing um some talks and things and before we had a few cheeky gin and tonics and and i was i was just i was just at that kind of nice relaxed level and then i could still like you know the person with the microphone and be like even now like, it's just
1: no good terrible isn't it yeah i know i know yeah. i have had a, actually that i've been trying to narrate stuff having had a half bottle of red wine <laughs> and it, it just didn't work very well anymore it just i thought it was an experiment i'll never yeah. repeat that ever again maybe for the editing stage yeah. of things but uh, it, it was not not a good
0: yeah. one. it's 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 funny what this 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 work does to people i have to laugh because um at the, uh, the conference that i was at um in this over the states, over this past week, there was the room really wasn't well sort of suited for that many people in sight, right? So it was super loud and everything, you know, ears ringing and all that sort of stuff. But just made me laugh because you'd, ne- you'd never find a room full of people who could more tell you what was wrong with the acoustics of that room. You know, <laughs> the general pu- public may just say, Oh, it's loud in there, but it's because that wall there bounces that off there and then it goes.
1: <laughs> so true, so true. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. No. I can imagine that 800 or whatever people in, yeah. in a room, and then everybody <laughs> working in the voice industry as well, where you know they yeah. love projecting and you know, hearing their own voice quite often. It's. I know. Even at the uh, grave for the brain. I don't know how many people were there last year at the um conference, at the awards um conference. Yeah. Room. It was also, you know, quite clearly a room full of people working in voice it was so noisy <laughs> i've actually started um carrying earplugs around with me oh really cuz I, I i can't yeah. i just can't i think it's a post covid thing again I, yeah i've i've always struggled with sort of rooms with loud loud noises um but yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm earplugs in
0: I don't blame you. A weird weird question, and this may not be your experience at all, so please do don't, please don't feel free to humour me on it if it's not, because it may be nonsense. I was at, um, I was at a voiceover event um, ages ago, and I ran into um, a very nice lady who was the, do you know in Primark, where there's a cashier number four, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, that was her. That was her recording. And, and ever since, like, I've paired it up, like, I, I sort of say oh, yeah, that's a real thing. That's a real sort of job. I can't go anywhere without hearing any sort of announcement and thinking, "Could be mean
1: <laughs> That's brilliant. No, I I love that. Who is it? Um, who does the underground? Um, yeah, she she's on yeah. SoundCloud as well, and I think she's done a few interviews as well. Yeah. What it's like to be the voice of the underground? Yeah. it's it's fantastic. It's just <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, you could yeah. be the next um yeah M and S. Check out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll don't don't
0: don't tease me. That'd be my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Don't, don't, it's
1: great. I think what a wonderful thing. I don't know. Do you get royalties every time they play that? Oh, I'm not sure. It's been rolling in it. Yeah. Play, do. Well, every, time, every
0: time. Every time someone joins the queue, <laughs> that would be incredible. It must be a buyout, but maybe a good one. Yeah, one would hope. <laughs> but the gravy for the brain, going to an event like that with, with I mean, you must that must have been really cool. Like, hearing so many people, and that's the guy from the X Factor. That's the guy from the yes, yeah.
1: yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, they, they have quite a lot of caliber there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah, Peter Dixon, obviously. Uh, yeah, who did a wonderful confoncier uh, uh, that evening. <laughs> for the awards is a really. It's so nice to be in a room full of pros who know exactly what they're doing. Yeah it's it's fantastic and really nice genuine people. Mm. Um I think because the 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 voice industry is is a lot larger there, there is more there are more job opportunities um, for fewer people uh, as opposed to acting where there are fewer job opportunities for more a lot of people wanting to do yeah. all the same stuff. So I fo- I found that there's less elbows in the room and more genuine. Yeah good for you that you're doing this i do this which is totally different you know and you know there seems to be a lot more Hmm. it's a bit a bit more relaxed i think yeah what you're um
0: very much very much the same because he's not there's not that many people trying to be audiobook narrators um, (laughs) for you know for all the reasons that um it is but no it's a it's it's a lovely job and um the community there is so golden like i said um I was telling my family like uh, just this. Uh, I, w- I went and met um, in New York. I went and and um, hung out with so many people that I've met through the podcast, through Twitter and through Instagram and stuff. And I didn't realize it was possible to feel more like so at home, thousands of miles away from your actual home. Like these people take so such good care of you. They're so nice, and they genuinely want the best for you. Because because I, I think as you say, with with the job is you know, if, if um, so, uh, my friend Jess and who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, we met up and hung out and stuff, what they get cast as, what they get, the books that they get, I'm never going to get. Why should I? Why should there be any form of competitiveness between us? You know, it was just we can be, you can just be happy for each other and um, and want each other to succeed. And uh, would you say that in, you know, more kind of like screen and stage uh, performance acting, would you say it is a lot more competitive
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I, I think that's, this is just due to the numbers, really, it's the numbers mm. of actors that there are. And a lot of colleges, universities are all churning out more and more and more and more actors, mm. because it's a great income, everybody wants to be an actor. Mm. Um, and, and there are fewer jobs there, there are just unless you produce your own stuff, or if you're happy to be a role player, or do more corporate things and mm. more commercials, um, but the the juicy stuff, the the feature films, the the national theatre stage productions, mm-hmm. uh, the Globe, the RSC, all the rest of it. Uh, there are just not enough um, jobs, and castings go through trends as well. So you know, at the moment, this group of people might be really trendy to cast, and then next year there might be another group. You know, it's it's mm. it's a As much as i love acting i find the industry very very difficult to to navigate and uh, it's got nothing to do with um i don't know that i don't want to want other people to succeed on the contrary i would love to be this a much more open and genuine and caring environment as i find the as i'm seeing the the voice industry yeah where people are just very yeah happily saying you know i Great for you yeah. that you got this. I would yeah. never get that, and that's perfectly totally <laughs> fine. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's exactly. like it's lovely. Um, with um, <laughs> putting what we said about social media aside, before, where's the best place for people to keep up with you?
1: <laughs> with me? Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, I need to get better at this, John. <laughs> you just spelled it. out for me. <laughs> I think um, Twitter and Facebook are probably there. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I can always be reached via my website, Mark bulkhagen or Um, mm. uh, but other than that, Twitter, absolutely, Facebook. Um I don't know, Instagram yeah. seems to sort of reject me all the time. So I, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing wrong. Um, so I still haven't got an account or not anymore. But um uh, yeah. yeah, Twitter, Facebook, all good. Um, there is an email address as well. So please get in touch. Um, that would be wonderful.
0: Fantastic. So I'd love to I'd love to end the show um by simply asking. If you have any upcoming projects anything in the future that you're excited about that that we can look forward to and celebrate.
1: One thing that I've signed an NDA for.
0: Okay. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: <laughs> which which I'm really excited about but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that I've just finished a couple of audiobooks. I'm waiting for a couple more to come in. Yeah. Um and yeah, well, it, This is the exciting bit. You just never know. It's been really busy over the last three weeks or so. Unusually busy. Yeah. Probably all due to me not doing any castings. So, yeah, um, yeah, I I look forward to whatever.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. And we look forward to it too. (laughs) <laughs> well that um that just brings us uh about to a close uh, for this episode of the audiobook club uh all links to mark's social media and, and website will be linked in the show notes uh thank you so much for tuning in and of course another huge 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 thank you to you mark thank you so much
1: well thanks for having me it was really fun
2: frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman? Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening.